Welcome to the inaugural episode of whatever we're going to call this podcast by the end of it. I'm here with Dr. Amy Bianco. How are you doing today, Dr. Amy? I'm doing well. It's it's great to be with you this morning. I know eventually you're going to join me on this side of the table. We're going to interview multiple different people, both inside and outside the organization. But do you want to take a second and introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Amy Taylor Bianco. I um, am the director of the Masters of Science and Management um, here at Ohio University, a place I absolutely love. And um, we're excited to just talk about talk to guests about the program, about the experience that we offer. It's not really a program, but just a whole set of experiences that I think have made me better, and I hope um, I hope make all of us who go through it better. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey of what eventually led you to OU? Yeah. Um, so in undergrad, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, landed someplace trying to figure it out. And yeah, I wrote a thesis on maximizing human potential. And that was, I, I've always known I wanted to do something, just helping people be their best. I didn't know what, what that would lead to. Um, also always wanted to live in New York City, work on Wall Street. So I, I, (laughs) I started, uh, started that journey. So after, after college, I, um, I went into New York. I worked, um, at PricewaterhouseCoopers where in consulting, I learned just a ton about business and management. I was not a business major. I had no background and no business being there. Um, Really? (laughs) Really. I thought you were a business major. What did you major in? Uh, Anthropology. And you went to Wall Street? Yep. Okay, so take this story back further then. You walked into college. What college was it? Um, Dickinson College in Pennsylvania. And you said, I'm going to go into anthropology. Yeah. I <laughs> I wanted to study deeply, and I did study leaders. I studied um, different populations. I studied leadership, but I really wanted to critically study. And I took some management classes, um, not many, but I took a few. And it just never occurred to me that I would do anything else but business. Sure. And to be honest, it also never occurred to me to study business. <laughs> Because I just can't imagine, like, when I think of anthropology, I think of, like, Laura Croft, the Tomb Raider, like, digging around and, like, studying ancient cultures and everything, too. Yeah. But for you, you went into it from a business mindset. So you said you always knew you were going to be in business then? Yeah, I just I just felt I was. And I studied um, a lot of, about what then was the Carlisle Indian School, which is kind of, you know, controversial in, in many, many ways. But it really was the studying of of leadership for better and for worse. Um, and I knew I wanted to do something in a values-based leadership. So why that led me to Wall Street, I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> that was the next question. So go ahead. <laughs> but I did. Um, I did end up going to PricewaterhouseCoopers in Midtown, and I had a blast because I got to meet so many different people. I worked with accounting and finance majors, um, and I just had to learn all the time. I took classes at night. My mom was like, yeah, you better take some accounting if you're going to work in an accounting firm. Like, oh, yeah, yeah right. I should let's, do that. That makes sense. <laughs> let's do that. Take that at night. And uh, and I just had really great managers and people who wanted to think differently and wanted to create new products that, um, that they needed. Um, there was one English major in the firm and myself, and um, I think we were able to, to help um, oh, yeah. in, our, in our way. So and then I um, thought, well... You know, I need to go in-house to a client, so I went down to J.P. Morgan um, before it was J.P. Morgan Chase. So I'm dating myself. Um, went down there and uh, 
and didn't like it more. Mm-hmm. Um, it was they were doing some neat things, but um, there was also a lot that that wasn't for me. Um, made some great relationships, but that's when I started to take graduate classes and sure. kind of found where where I was headed. And then eventually, did you always want to get back into like the higher ed space or were you looking, what was your graduate program? Um, yeah, so I wasn't looking to get back into higher ed, um, but eventually did. Um, my, my older brother tells me it was my destiny. He told me that my whole life. So possibly that had something to do with it. And uh, I started working um, with uh, Tori Higgins and Warner Burke, who are two kind of tremendous names um, in the field of higher education, in the field of really studying the way the brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, human behavior um, is Tori's side. And then on Warner's side, it was he also started um, a change management company that became the the change consulting arm of PricewaterhouseCoopers. Wow. So, um, so I learned how to do this stuff and how to do it from the inside out. Yeah, and I think that that's what I really liked. Um, I've I've learned I like doing things the hard way <laughs> yes. so that I can teach Same. other people the shortcuts. <laughs> sure, and even if they don't listen, at least you gave them the guidance. <laughs> least, yes, right? exactly. Nice. So then, exactly. what landed you at OU after graduate school? Yeah. So um, while I was in graduate school. I came out here because I had a brother who was graduating from the MBA. Oh, cool. And so we he kept saying, I have these great professors. You wouldn't believe how incredible they are. They really care. They're, you know, I'm going to this one's house for dinner. I'm doing this. And I was like, yeah, right. And, uh, and I came, difference, right? Yeah. And I came out and it was absolutely true. Um, it was absolutely true. And, and my now husband was with me. And... He'd never been outside, really, of New York City and couldn't believe how much he liked it. Really? Yeah. So he, a New Yorker came to Athens and I, was like, this is great. It was a New Yorker came to Athens. He was literally afraid of the drive between, like, if somebody stopped him, what he would do or how he would get gas going through all these rural places. It's, it was Are you inc- serious? I'm, completely serious do you still i hope you still give him like crap for oh that. i give him crap for it all the time okay, because good. he would never leave here he would never leave now like you know That's now amazing. that he's settled he would never leave it took you know a lot of years to say that but he would never leave huh. and uh and it's the people i mean it's the people and the way we have set up so that we can learn and innovate here without um you can make mistakes you can make lots of mistakes but they're small ones and you can grow and grow and then you can travel, you know, all over the world, but live here in Athens, Ohio. And it's, it's incredible. It is. And looking at the MSM program, which you started three years ago, four years ago? Yeah, we conceptualized in 2018. It started in 2020. Okay, cool. And then what led to that conversation? What led to that decision, your interest in it? Yeah, so there was um, a number of people involved in it, actually, at the time. Um, Luke Pittaway, um, eventually Heather Lawrence Benedict. Um, Phil Taylor, um, a bunch of people kind of bringing it um, forward. And it was really the best thinking of a lot of creative people, Gary Coombs, um, just a ton of creative people. And my thinking there, and not just mine, but our thinking there, was let's look at the open jobs for, for people who have a graduate degree and see what's just not getting filled. What weird combinations aren't getting filled. And so it was early on just looking at 
I find myself always on the edge of boundaries, a little bit about this, a little bit about that, and you make yourself valuable by merging those things. And I think that's what the MSM is. You know, you can take a little bit about human resource management, and then you can take um, a little bit about, you know, sales and put those together, or analytics, um, HR and operations. There are still so many positions um, vacant. HRIS is a brand new thing that, like, back when I was in school, wasn't even a thing yet, right? Yeah. So you're right. All these functional gaps never existed before. And most people, you know, we think of you'd have to get two degrees, right? But you actually don't. You can get two certificates, one degree. Mm Mm-hmm. And be able to fill those um, gaps if you're, you know, a continual continual learner. Um, we'll hear from, you know, Paul Benedict and um, and maybe Luke Pittaway in, in business venturing. So as you know way better than I do, you can't have your own business without understanding operations, right? Yeah. That is the other piece or a other another piece that's so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are often paired together. So people get to pair together what they need. Um, at that point in their career. Mm-hmm. Now, you started officially in 2020, and where we're at now, again, three years into it, going on four years into it, what has been some of the major takeaways? Have you changed the program at all, or has it been basically the exact same program that when you, you know, I came up with the idea? Yeah, so when we started, it was going to be a um, fully asynchronous online program. That's not um, anymore. Well, I will say everyone had a different idea, but that was the, the, the charge in the end. And what we found is that people like to connect. Yes. Um, they like to connect, but they don't want to have to. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, I can really, I don't like to be told what to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Right? None of us do. I don't think. I mean, maybe some people do, but um, I don't know too many people that do. So, yes, you have to do your coursework. You got to keep going with that. But it's those experiences that meeting other students, those fireside chats, executive coaching, um, all those kind of community events that can happen online. And I feel like in this program, m- our biggest or my biggest goal has been to create a sense of belonging mm-hmm. online, a, a sense of belonging virtually. And with all the things that we're doing that we'll talk about, um, I think we're doing that. You are, for sure. How did COVID impact those plans? Because again, 2020 was not a great year for innovation outside of pivoting very quickly, right? So I'm sure, did that hamper? Did that slow you down? That speed you up? Um, COVID actually didn't have much of an impact on the program at all. Um, We were set up, so we had spent two years teaching. So what we did is chose our best teachers and taught them to teach online Mm -hmm. rather than people who knew how to teach online. We went with the best. And so it was a big ramp up. We were ramped up and ready to go online um, for 2020. So I kind of don't remember much of COVID because we were just doing what we were supposed to do. Um, And maybe it gave us a little extra time or a little more interested audience. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, it didn't have much of an impact. Nice. And now I know that we do all kinds of different things like the firesides and getting the different speakers to come in. And this weekend we're doing LDC. So there's all these different fun events. When you were designing that, was that a centerpiece or was that something that kind of happened naturally? That was, I would say that is somewhat my personal signature. That's the stuff that isn't in the 
requirements of what we're sp- the LDC is is planned. Right, right. Um, nothing else was in the requirements of what we're supposed to do, and it really wasn't done in online programs. It was done in in person programs, right? But not in online. And um, just reading all all that I'd been reading about the virtual workplace and how things were going to work with, you know, before COVID, we were still hitting a trend where people wanted more flexibility working from home. Um, And I was just curious to get into this experiment and get feedback. And the feedback that we're getting is that people really, really like this format and they really feel part of something Mm -hmm. um, while they're learning at a a very high level. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it, too, just as a student in the program, is the exposure and the conversations that are happening virtually. It's very much you get out what you put in. If you mm-hmm. want to engage in the courses, if you want to participate, if you find something that's absolutely fascinating, you still have the ability to reach out and have those one-on-one conversations. It's just fostered differently. So if you just want to get by, you could. But if you really put it yourself into it, there's so much extra value you can get out of a program like this. So it's very much student-led. And it's I think, very, yes. And that goes into OU's mission, right? Yep. So what kind of response have you got from the university? Because I know we're talking to the Walter Center as well today. So how does that all work with the university? So the Walter Center has been really helpful in letting us innovate. Also, our, our graduate programs, like they've been letting us, you know, I'll be like, okay, crazy idea of the day. Yeah, we're going to break and, something. It's going to be great. Yeah. And they've been phenomenal. And I think the university's given us the, the latitude and freedom to come up with something innovative um, so long as we eventually do well with it, which we which we are um, actually from the beginning, but still, um, you know, there there is accountability. But I think um, you know all the way up through the president, um, they're excited about the the program, other um, programs with sort of uh, different certificates have come out since then. Cool. Um, and we really created ours was the first kind of where the barrier for the higher education commission um, took us quite a while to get through that. Um, and it was seen as, you know, just sort of different. Radical. And, and yes. How dare you change higher education? <laughs> yes, exactly. And now I, th- I think a lot more people are, are doing that work. And um, so the university has been just phenomenal and the college um, in particular has supported that innovation. I mean, you know, Mike Snavely, our director of kind of technology operations, really, he's really a a teacher of instruction. And he's brought us all kinds of things, reviewed everything, looked at ideas. We have completely opposite opinions many times. <laughs> and it's great. Right. <laughs> you know? In a healthy way, not an yeah, unhealthy way. Yeah, right. it's a beautiful thing to have people, you know, that kind of push you to be better. Um, Jill Nice is the, you know, assistant dean of, of um, graduate programs. She's just supported us in every way, including like the PassionWorks event that, you know, that we're doing different things like that. I'm um, sure you want to do something on campus, even though you're an online program. Absolutely. Why not? Here you, you know? go. <laughs> um, so we're just um, we've been really, really fortunate to have uh, good leaders all above us and around us. It's fantastic. Final question, kind of looking towards the future. So we're three years in, four years in. We're learning a lot of lessons. We're developing this really nice online presence, and I think we're going the right direction. What's your vision 10 years from now? Are you still expecting the same capacity? Is it more students, less students? What do you think? Can I go back to the other question? Oh, yeah, for sure. So in one... 
when we talk about um, sort of the best leaders and the support for innovation, I want to say that the actual students in the program have been some of the biggest innovators. Um, one of our first students that came in that had a PR background, she taught us kind of the branding and, and all of that. You know, you with your kind of human human capabilities and, and podcast background and all these different things and how to start something up. So there's room for your students who are passionate and who want to put the time in to lead us. And I think that that is really unique where you get hands-on leadership experience and they may very well change our direction, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting. For sure. So the program in 10 years, I see that we will be um, quite a bit bigger, not big, but a lot bigger. We'll, and the way we'll be bigger is we'll have different certificates. Oh, interesting. So we'll keep innovating and adding. We have a couple more certificates that are already passed through and on the books, but we're just not going to offer them until we get you know the critical mass to do so. Um, and I think we'll keep studying the market and figuring out huh. whether the certificates that we thought of are the right ones or whether we'll need to do other ones. So I hope we'll keep with the idea that it's a scientific degree. It's not just, you know, pick topics in management, but it's learning these topics and pulling them together in a capstone experience where you really analyze and can use the different pieces, you know, from, Again, just to stick with, say, it's, you know, HR and analytics where you're using all of that together. So we'll stick with that, but they'll just be different pieces, different inputs, because, you know, we know that when when anyone graduates, they're going to have to, you know, what they know is going to last them a few years. But what they learned how to learn is going to last them a lifetime, especially in data analysis and the tech world. Like it changes so fast. Absolutely. So no spoilers. But what are some of those other certificates you're considering? Have you do you have anything? Can you talk about it or is it still confidential? We do have some things. Um, I think I'll just wait on that. Okay, nice. Well, keep posted then. I'm excited to hear. And then final question. I think this is actually my final question now. So I have been incredibly impressed with everyone from the faculty and the teams that I've talked to. I mean, just some very brief shout outs. Um, I mean, Professor Paul Benedict, I just got out of his course and it was absolutely incredible. And going into it, it was a completely different structure than the course that you talked about yes. or that Professor Camilli talked about, right? So they're all different. They're all unique. And they bring their own attitude. So when you were picking who you wanted on your MSM team, did you look at that skill set diversity or like how did you decide that who you wanted to get involved? I absolutely did look at the skill set diversity and looked at people who are really good at communicating their trade, whatever it is, right? Um, and I want to learn from them. So I want to see how they do it differently. Mm-hmm. Um I would say, you know, again, our resource people, our instructional technology people are really there to help folks create courses that that reflect them. We all have some basics across the across the line, but we're looking for great innovators who are, you know, you're taking Paul Benedict now and he's phenomenal. Ten years from now, he may be he will be phenomenal, but he may be doing different, you know, teaching in a different way. Right. Um, and we hope so. Right. Like he's somebody who's going to keep trying new things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're definitely looking for that. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Is there anything else you want to talk about with an introduction to the MSM program? Um, 
Just in the introduction to say that that first certificate where you come in, management and leadership, if people want to try anything, a kind of low risk try, and that most companies tend to pay for at least a small amount of education, and most people seem to be able to fit one certificate in within what they get in a year um, or the better part of it. So that is a certificate that that's one that I lead with um, Gregorius Slavanis and Jana Tomelli. And we are three very different people. Oh my gosh, are you different people, right? <laughs> and that's how we picked the or I picked the certificate. Huh. People that have completely different backgrounds. So you've got an economist, you have a cognitive behavioral psycho analytics psychologist, um, and myself on the sort of human behavior psychology side. So to put three very different people, three different, very different sets of information together to cover management and leadership, um, that that was our goal. I think we're doing it well. And if you're not sure what you want to do, join us there and see how it goes. See see what you like, and um, and you know you may just stay with us. This is a fantastic first episode of whatever we're going to call this podcast. <laughs> so, is there anyone else you want to thank, or any other closing thoughts? Absolutely. Um, Dean, Jackie Reese Ulmer has been supportive in every way. Like, what do you want to go learn? How, how can I help you to be as innovative as you want to be? Um, chair Anna Rosado Fager, um, former chair uh, Ashley Metcalf, Luke Pittaway before that, um, Gary Coombs before that. This is really a collective um, of many, many people. And the key professors in it have been Mary Tucker, um, and um, uh, Hazel Dadenlar, Steve Musser, um, Jana Tomelli, of course, that I mentioned, and uh, Gregorius Slavanis that I mentioned. And then Tim Reynolds is joining us kind of in that, um, in that strong um, crew. And, um, and, of course, we have our, our folks in different certificates. The HR certificate is the only certificate that is just part of the MSM. So that's um, Tim and Tammy Reynolds who many of you may have had in undergrad, a great duo, um, and Laura Drake, who is also phenomenal. So those are just some of the many people I'd like to thank. 